0: You're listening to the Stream Grace Network.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Ewell.
0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody out there in podcast land. So glad that you're with us today on the Renewed You podcast. I'm your host, John Yule, and uh, I am excited that you are on the journey with me today in uh, living out the best life that god has designed us to live and that's what we are all about here on this podcast today i've got a new friend that i'm excited to introduce you to met this uh, gentleman several uh, weeks ago maybe a month or so ago and uh, just felt a great connection with this guy and i'm excited to learn more about him and his journey with God and in his life, his name is Dan Anderson, pastors a church in Marlow, Oklahoma. So it's great to have you, Dan. How are
1: you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you this morning, John? I'm
0: doing great now that you're here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is good to be here. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Well, thank you for being here. Um, so I know you're in ministry and you you pastor a church in Marlow. Explain to everybody a little bit about Marlow, Oklahoma.
1: There's a red light. That's it seriously and there's a sonic there's okay <laughs> no it's it's a small rural town um, it's about an hour south of Oklahoma City uh, population of about 3,500 um, I grew up in that area I've known that area all my life and uh, my wife and I we left uh, for a little bit a few years and felt the tug of God to come back and uh, do ministry. In our home place And um, It has been An amazing journey And we We've It's funny When you Grow up in a place I don't know that you So much as love it Yeah Until you leave it Okay Talk into that What do you mean? Well You grow up in a small town And all you can think about is Man, I wonder what else is out there Um, I wonder what opportunities are beyond this small town Because honestly, where we grew up It's a lot of farming It's a lot of rural, uh, you know, construction And, um, you know, you've got your mechanics And you've got a lot of uh, just blue collar uh, workers, which is fantastic. But when you grow up in that environment, and that's what you know, there's always this in the back of your mind: I wonder what else is out there. I wonder what else is going on. How big is the world versus a town of 3,500? Right. And when you leave, and my wife and I left for about six years, uh, we worked in Norman uh, at a church there, and got to see uh, a much a much bigger side of the world. And we begin to travel more. We begin to see things and um it's funny because the bigger things got in our life the more i missed the smaller more intimate place yeah i missed driving through town and waving at people <laughs> yeah. do that in oklahoma city yeah, and no, see dude, how that goes for you man <laughs> oklahoma city you know. no kidding um but pulling up and and people and, and i tell people like Marlowe is a lot like the um the theme song to the cheers Right. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and so that was that was uh, something to go back to and to step back into a world that, that I had left behind, but I never really left it. Right. And so it's been a joy. We've been there nine years now, and to watch God do what he's done has been absolutely incredible.
0: Well, man, I want to get into the, the church side with you, but uh, I want to just invite everybody on the journey of your life so tell us a little bit where it where it all began for you and i mean obviously you grew up in a small town but uh you know just what was the early stages of your life like
1: uh my dad was a pastor an evangelist um so church was it church was my world growing up that's all i can distinctly remember is church we used to have church on sunday morning Sunday night, Wednesday <laughs> night, and no joke. Listen, we had Saturday night service. Are you serious? I'm not even kidding,
0: man. You might as well have moved your bed into the church and building, man. That's a- not-
1: absolutely and and so and then of course you had revivals, you had youth rallies, you had camp meetings, and so the the church was my life. We yeah. grew up in it, and we 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 knew it. And I think that because it was so ingrained in us, and and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But we were raised very strict and traditional Pentecostal. Okay. Now, if you don't know, if you're listening today and you say, what, is, what does that mean, traditional Pentecostal? Well, here's the thing. We didn't have a TV in our house till I was 13. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to go to the movies. We couldn't go bowling. There was so many. Everything was a sin. And so there's a lot of legalistic uh, things that happened. But I will say this on the flip side. There were things I saw in the church that blew my mind. Totally. I saw God do things that was just, when I tell people, they're like, come on, you're lying. I'm like, no, I saw God do some incredible things out of the dedication of these people. And, uh, but because I I, I grew up, um, and I know you're a preacher's kid, so you can relate. Oh, there's a the big seeker right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I grew up seeing so much, I really walked away from the whole thing at an early age. Now, of course I had to go to church, my mom and dad, but in my heart, I just didn't buy into it. I didn't, I didn't accept this. I'm like, ah, I'm not sure about a lot of emotionalism or a lot of fake or a lot of phony. That stuff was going on in my mind all the time. And so by the age of of 12, 13, I was already, I was done with God, I was done with church. I wasn't gonna go down that path. And so I veered off uh, pretty quickly um, from from any kind of calling or future destiny. I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want anything to do with the church. And I remember I was 17 years old and my dad made me go to church camp. And he said, you're going. And I was like, I don't want to go. And he's like, you're going to church camp. And so we go to church camp and there was a an, a, a guest speaker from Fresno, California, And he didn't know me. He didn't know anything about me. I'm sitting on the back road just trying to get through the week because I don't want to be there. I'm 17. I'd rather be out doing crazy things with my friends. And in the middle of his preaching, he points at me. And he's like, young man, would you just stand up? And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. And so I stand up. And he said, I just need to tell you something. There's coming a day that you're going to preach under the anointing of your grandfather and your father. Hmm. He had no idea that my grandfather and my dad Were both Pentecostal preachers and pastors Okay Now I didn't give my life to Christ I didn't start crying and accept the calling And I it actually just ticked me off And I was like whatever um, But something inside of me shifted This thought process in my head Began to process itself saying What if it's real mm-hmm. What if everything you saw Growing up was real What if everything the, the, What What if What if What if And I was Just graduated high school The following year Or I guess a year and a half later I graduated high school And I go to church on a Sunday night It was May of 1997 And the preacher preached And I don't know what he preached But I remember he got his guitar on He began to sing a song Called Sweep Over My Soul Sweet Spirit Mm -hmm. And while he's singing That thought hits me again What if it's real? What if What if and I'm wrestling and finally I said you know what God you're gonna have to show me and I get up and I walk down to an altar and I kneel down nobody nobody knelt beside me which is odd for Pentecostal church because most of the times if you knelt the altar everybody swarmed you like a SWAT team um but nobody knelt down with me and nobody nobody prayed over me it was just me and God and I and I said out loud God if you're real just show me and man I begin to weep and I begin to cry and I am not a crier. It drives my wife nuts, but I'm just <laughs> not a crier. It's not my nature. But I wept and I wept and I could just feel things falling off of me. And I and I and I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly in my spirit and just so, just so lovingly. He said, Dan, if you choose me, I will never leave you. And I gave it all right there. And I said, You know what, God, I accept your grace. I accept your mercy. And so from there, um, I got I got saved on a Sunday night. friend of mine called me on monday morning he was a youth pastor he said dan i'm just checking on you you're on my heart today how are you doing and i said bro i got saved last night i'm 19 almost 20 years old right here and he's like no way and i said yeah i I gave my life to christ and he said why don't you come preach for me wednesday night and i said nope yeah not doing that mess i am not gonna preach and um he said man just come share your testimony with with my kids at the youth group and just share what god has done in your life and i went that wednesday night and i preached my first sermon and uh, it was literally about four minutes long i read my text i read my my little notes there i shut the bible and i was like i'm done i'm never doing this again but when i looked up the tears that were in those kids eyes something something hit me and i was like you know what this is exactly what i'm gonna do with the rest of my life So
0: you have this incredible encounter Mm -hmm. uh, with God that that brought everything. I think it's interesting how much of our stories are similar. I'm definitely a, a preacher's kid. I haven't talked about that on this podcast much, but I'm definitely a preacher's kid. There is the good and the bad of that. Yes. Because you do see some miraculous things, but you also see some of the negative side. Uh, you know, the, the backside of, of the whole thing. And it's easy for the backside to really Jade you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't know that I ever, I don't know that I will ever buy into that. I walked away from my faith, right? But I definitely experienced a disconnect from church. Sure. You know, just the, 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 the thing of it, versus the relationship with christ you know there there was that definite season in my life as well but yet i love again we we've almost got this concept i think kind of backwards um we would never say this from a pulpit from a podium we'd never say what i'm about to say but it is implied that
1: god is chasing you but after salvation you now have to chase him Man, that is crazy. We just had that conversation yesterday. It's like you're sitting on a meeting I'm in yesterday. <laughs> we said the exact same thing that that we feel like that, yes, God is pursuing you. But as soon as you accept him as your savior, so you usually, yes, I'm going to follow Christ. Now it's like, okay, come find me. Yeah. Come chase after me. Be, be a man after my heart. Come try to get me. And, oh, yeah.
0: Right. And what yeah. we do is we put, again, we'll never say this, but if we're honest with it, mm-hmm. we, we put these rules and these benchmarks Oh yeah! in place that, well, you got to hit this to mm-hmm. get here or, or whatever, instead of realizing that the father never stops chasing us, mm-hmm. never stops positioning things in our life that we don't ask for. We're not looking for, we're not expecting. And yet, cause he is always, God is so committed to the long game with us. Mm-hmm. And we are
1: usually very, very short sighted. I, my biggest struggle with God when I was younger was that I felt like, okay, first off he's mean, he just yeah. wants to smack me around i didn't understand the concept of a father and it's crazy because i have three kids now they're 10 years old i have triplets and i Which truly just
0: sounds <sighs> like a headache to me
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what it has been an incredible incredible thing because i didn't really want to be a dad i love being a husband but i wasn't yeah. sure about the dad thing because i've got nine adopted brothers and sisters um i'm an only biological child so i was like ah, i don't know about having yeah. kids and then we we have triplets, but that really changed my inside of God. In what ways? The way that I view children. Mm-hmm. And if I'm truly his child, right? how much more does the father love me than I love my own kids? Right. It's almost like we, again, I'm just being honest with
0: um, my journey as well as what I think is really going on. It's in the background of mm-hmm. what we produce and what, sure. we, what we preach. It's like he's the good, good father up till this point and then it's, it's like okay now I expect you to be a good good kid yeah when he's even I mean I love all kids but I really am great at loving and giving to my kids absolutely and the father is exactly that mm-hmm. way with all of
1: us absolutely and I think
0: sometimes in the church we we don't again I don't think we intend it that way but I don't think we think through critically what we're communicating. Sure, and I think we give that feeling to people.
1: Yeah, and I think that that I think this, and if you ever go back and watch my sermons, I'm very transparent behind the pulpit. Yeah, so am I. I think that and I know you are transparency I think is is where a lot of um it's where a lot of connectivity happens with the congregation. Where you begin to talk about your struggle, and they're like, Oh right. Well if pastor struggles, if pastor gets mad and kicks the dog, I don't, but I shouldn't, but I think about <laughs> right. it. But if pastor struggles with that then you know what, man, maybe, maybe, maybe God's going to help me through mine. Yeah.
0: I remember my dad, when I, when I started exploring going into ministry, um, I was like you, I was, I was always at the building. You know, it didn't matter if I had a spare <laughs> moment, I was practicing behind an old wooden pul- pulpit, oh, with, awesome. with, you know, as a kid, I just always, I had that desire, I guess. But, um, you know, my dad was kind of taught. He didn't grow up in it. Mm hmm. But there was this definite era in that Pentecostal side that as a minister, you're never to show fault.
1: Absolutely. You're
0: never to show your weaknesses oh, because no. you're supposed to be the example, mm-hmm. the epitome. And so what we wound up doing is, again, no one lives really by what you, that portrayal. Anybody right. can put a good front up. Absolutely. For a while. And then what's rocked the church so much is when we realize, Oh man, they're not the same person off the stage as they are on. And I think God is bringing us to a place to where, yeah, guys like us and a whole bunch of others are standing up and going, look, I may be a few steps ahead of you but I'm Mm -hmm. on the same journey you're on. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how to make this work.
1: Well, and I think too, that's why we're so rocked when we see, um, and I I say this term because I have my own, but our heroes, yeah, totally. Our pastor heroes, preacher heroes, when they make a mistake or there's a a fault or a failure, the whole church is devastated because nobody gets up and says, Hey, guess what? They have bad days just like you. Exactly. Uh, there's a, there's a pastor in, in Oklahoma city that I love dearly. And he has, he has definitely been a friend to me. And I, I got to spend some time with him and, and he has a much larger ministry than I have. And I said, pastor, what's some advice that you can give me? And he got so quiet and he sat there and like, you just see the sadness come over him. Mm-hmm. And he said, be prepared to be lonely. Huh? And I said, what? Cause this guy, I mean, he, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. And he said this, he said, Dan, I can't tell you how many times I've preached. In front of thousands and thousands of people and ended up sitting at sonic by myself mm-hmm. wow like, oh. and that was years ago when he told me that and something clicked in me and i said you know what i'm gonna tell people that mm-hmm. i'm gonna let people know that sometimes pastors are the ones that don't ever get invited to lunch on sunday totally <laughs> we, we're like we're the, we're shutting down the building and we're like everybody's gone to lunch and join. we're like oh nobody's gonna have lunch with me today okay right um and, and, and to talk about the struggles and, and, the, and the real things that happen. And so uh, I think that if we become intentional behind the pulpit, and I don't mean to sound preachy, but I means not know oh, this is a podcast we're sharing here, but if we can become intentional about sharing what we're going through, sharing our pain, sharing some things that we've faced this week, I think it, it opens up the congregation to not just put us on a pedestal, but see the God that is working through us and the God that is working in us and that we right. have testimonies and we have uh, – i told um i can't remember who i was talking to one of my pastors i think but i said the greatest thing about jesus is when he was resurrected to me was the fact that he showed his scars mm-hmm. that moves me yeah that jesus gets alone with his guys and says, guy's I want to show you my scars and i said yeah. like, as pastors we're just not good at that right we hide that so well
0: totally and again it's i think we we're in that clone where where we are on that pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that that's, that's fair either. I know I grew up in, a, in an era, and then we'll jump back into your story. No, you're fine. I grew up into an era um, within the church, and this is when I kind of got disconnected uh, a little bit um, years ago, where it was, it seemed like it was all about how many people ministers could get underneath them. Yes. They were building their, their little network, their kingdom or whatever. And um, when I kind of had my renaissance with a father in my heart um i just god kind of flipped the script on me yeah and just spoken spoke to me for me um your life is not going to be about getting people under you it's going to be about you getting under people oh that's good how many people can you lift up how many people can Mm -hmm. you be that safety net that when they have a, a tough time or whatever you can grab them and say hey it's all right get back up there and he began to challenge me on getting rid of the word fail you're out of my lexicon yes that with god you never fail you miss mm-hmm. but you never fail no i mean we never think about failure in terms of baseball when a guy bats 300 we think it's amazing but he misses 70 percent of the time absolutely and so uh, again getting that idea of you don't have to be perfect Mm-mm. you know if you miss you miss get back in the game let's go sure and i think that's been a shift for me and i think that's what real networking relationships are, are going to be about going forward is how many people can I find a way to encourage and support and just be a friend next to those. Well, people?
1: let's, let's, let's just be honest. Let's get bare bones about this because I'm guilty or was, and, 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 definitely something that God has brought me through. But in the first part of our church as we're growing. I watch our church go from 11 people mm-hmm. and in one year we break a hundred. Yeah. Within three years, we've got over 300 in a town of 300 or 3,500 yeah, that's that's amazing. We're running multiple services on Sunday plus full-blown services on Wednesday night. It was nothing to walk into a Wednesday night church and have 200 people there. Wow. Within three years, I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay, guys, listen, I didn't go to seminary. I have no great book that I can sell you. I have nothing. I was like a duck. My little legs kicking 90 to nothing, but on top, I'm all cool acting like I know what I'm doing. Didn't have a clue. Yeah, Making horrible decisions because in my mind, I thought I've got to get two things right let's just be honest okay i gotta have butts and budgets exactly i gotta get butts in the seat and i gotta have the budget that's right and so it's so stupid to watch pastors get sucked up into that because i did and now i'm not gonna say that god hasn't blessed our church because we are blessed but he came in and and i was i was at gateway church down in texas and pastor robert morse's fantastic church oh absolutely fantastic and heart they're doing a leadership conference and i'm so arrogant and stupid i'm not even paying attention i'm drawing things out for the next phase of the church while i'm sitting in a class that i should be learning <laughs> and the holy spirit speaks to me and says what if i took it all away would you be okay out of nowhere and i'm like what what and I get up and I leave the conference I go out into the foyer I kneel down at one of the chairs And I say God you gotta talk to me Because I know that's your that voice But I don't know where you're going with this Because I don't go backwards mm-hmm. We only go forward I'm already building another building And I'm doing this I mean I'm already forward motioning all this And the Holy Spirit says What if I take it all away would you be okay And I begin yeah. to weep And I I broke And I say you know what God this is yours anyway So whatever you need to do do it and he spoke to me, and he said, "Your tree is massive, but your roots are so shallow that I'm fixing to blow it over, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to restructure some things." And I mean, I, and I'm I'm making phone calls. I'm like, God just spoke this to me, and changes are happening. And I watch our church go from over about a year and a half, it goes from over 300 multiple services, and I walk in one Sunday, and there's about 80 people there. Now that's a good crowd, I don't care. 80 folks come on <laughs> Sunday morning is awesome. Sure. But when you go from that, that sure. kind of jump, it's like, oh my gosh. And so you're, I'm carrying all this failure. Like God, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I realized that yeah, we were having great worship, we're having great services, and we are having horrible discipleship. People are not getting trained. They're not getting brought up. They're not being invested into. It's butts and budgets. Mm-hmm and so when i when i begin to shift that and i know what well, god i'm gonna i don't care if it's 20 people i'm gonna pastor them i'm gonna love them i'm gonna insert myself into them wherever they need me to be at and we begin to do that and now to see what god has done he's he's raised the church into to an amazing place and blessed us and and grown it but i don't even care i mean yes i want people to come to church absolutely that's our job and our mission but for me to sit down and say, well, you know, last week we had 260, and then this week we only had 240, what's going on? I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, these are your people. Right. And whoever you send in the doors, I'm gonna preach my face off, I'm gonna preach my heart out, I'm gonna lay hands and pray over anybody that needs prayer, and I'm gonna love everybody that comes in. And we have watched God transition the church into such a place that it is incredible. But it's because we have to get, we. and, and I wanna encourage, if you're a pastor and you're listening, get off that train, man. Yeah. Get off that butts and budgets and begin to invest and love people the best way that you can. And God will open up every door that you need. I know it sounds cliche. I know it does, but trust me, God will provide anything that you need. I think we need to remember as we're speaking
0: to ministers right now, I know I've got ministry friends that listen to my podcast, but, um, I'm, I love the journey of Paul. Mm. Um, one of the classes I took in college, I don't remember much about, what the focus of it was, but I do remember this one assignment where we had to put the writings of Paul in order. Yeah. And, um, we had to, to, to list what we noticed. And I remember when I was the only one, it was actually the purpose of the assignment. But when all of us had that aha moment, when we saw that five years before his death, he lists himself as one of the apostles, Two years before his death, he lists himself as uh, addresses his letter as one of the saints. Uh And then one year before his death, he says, I'm chief among all the sinners. We've got to remember, he never called me to be a pastor. He never called me to be a minister. He called me to be in relationship with himself. And when I really begin to understand that he is interested in building us. Yes. Not our stuff. Yes. And I think that's what you're getting at yes. there was we get our identity wrapped into the thing we Absolutely. think we're building for him. Yep. When really we're not building it for him, we're building mm-hmm. it for ourselves because we think this is what success looks like when the greatest success in the entire universe is when you
1: say yes to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 it's such a privilege to preach and to teach on Sunday morning. It's it's it is an amazing calling to have. But to to, uh, and, I, and I that's something I've been very very cautious with, especially becoming a dad. Is I remember growing up and and just constant church. Right. Constant, we would go on vacation, bro, and still go to church and find a church.
0: I do that too, but it's not. It's <laughs> well, just because I love church and I like okay. experiencing different churches. So I do that or Organizations.
1: Too. My wife does not go. She's yeah. Like, Me I the don't kids, make my kids go. Yeah, they're gonna go swimming or go do their yeah. thing. but um, I do the same thing just because I love church, but. I remember being forced into church all the time. And so now I'm very cautious to when church is over that I unplug from pastor and be dad because honestly, my dad was great, but he was always my pastor. Yeah. In every situation. It wasn't like I could have a bad day. I'm like, dad, this, this day is horrible. Well, you know, the Bible says, son. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not what I want to hear. Right. You know, um, when it, it's, it's great. He was a great guy. But with my kids, like I want them to have these, I want them to know that they've got a dad not just a pastor. Yeah. And that yes, the church is there for them but the church is not our identity.
0: And whether you're listening today and you're in ministry or not, people are people. Yes. And just as ministers get their identity wrapped up in the organization that they are believe that we believe we're building man i know dads and moms that get their identity wrapped up in their job the things that they're acquiring how hard they're working Mm -hmm. and it's just as important for everyone to for everybody to learn how to unplug and invest in what really matters which is you know the next generation and i want to jump there okay we're in this series at our church right now um called uh, my stories, and we started off on Father's Day with my dad and my partner Jeremy um, talking about legacy, what legacy looks like, and uh, that was such a great, it, it was a great deal. Um, and you can, if you want to listen to that, you can uh, go to the New Life Podcast here on the Stream Grace Network, but we then came back this past Sunday with a completely different person and legacy. That idea came up again. As I'm sitting here listening to you earlier, talking about um, people that were involved in your life, not just your dad, but other people. And even with the building and the growth of your church legacy in that Mm. question, you know, that God asked you, he's redefining what legacy is for you. So speak to how you understand legacy at this point in your life
1: legacy at this point is and i tell our leaders this all the time who are you reproducing okay and what are you reproducing you've got to find somebody to take your place in mm-hmm. all things and and so even dealing with my boys i have two boys and a girl my daughter she's pretty much convinced that she rules the universe <laughs> um, she probably does and in your she, world? she does most of the time in my world yes but my boys i'm very intentional about asking them questions about what is it like to be a man they're 10 years old
0: huh and And we're already talking manhood yes yes and
1: and it's funny because um we have a thing called guy talk Mm -hmm. when we get in my truck i got a i got a four by four z71 chevy truck because i'm from the country and you got to have a truck (laughs) so when we get in the truck and there's no girls we can have what's called guy talk yeah we can say words like shoot yeah or dang it right <laughs> and, and 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 one of their favorite words that we can't say in front of girls is heck uh-huh. so you know i'm training them already like there's there there's there's an application to be a gentleman and things we don't say in front of mama and things we don't say in front of the girls and 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 teaching them what does it mean to be a man what does it mean to okay when they come to me and they say dad um i want this and this and they're into uh to, to roblox and they're into Fortnite, different things dad and i'm like well how are we going to earn that yeah. how are we going to work for that right um and to instill things into them that that it's not just hey this is a world where you just because you want it you get it right okay and that's right. i know that may be off topic than where you're wanting no to no, go. no no no. keep going um but for me it's it's letting my kids see dad go to work every day even if it's just to the office or church they know dad's going to go to work every day the dad that dad puts an example in front of them when it's we we don't eat without praying over our food every night we have prayers together and 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 whether you're a believer or not you're listening find something that you can do with your family that's going to leave a legacy that's going to leave i remember my dad the one thing he always did always did was that he prayed over us before we went to bed and it wasn't like just a little now I lay me down to sleep like he had us come in he put his arms around us and he would speak over us and he would say i just thank you for dan that he is called yeah and he has favor in his life and he would say these things and now i find myself telling my own children like god i thank you for annika and blaine and elijah god that the gifts they carry and god that this the, the great heart they have for people i think it's important to what we instill in our kids for the next for the next generation of legacy uh is is going to be huge totally
0: i like what you did right there because again i think it shows the flip that god did in you Mm -hmm. um when i ask ministers about something you know insert another word but with the same idea of legacy i i expect them to answer something about ministry something spiritual sure and you jumped right over to family because that really is the only legacy that matters
1: if, if I can't pasture my family, I have no business being behind a pulpit. Totally. Now, I'm not saying my family's going to be perfect, and I, I think that's... Um just being honest is a bunch of bull crap to agreed to expect pastors kids to be perfect because they're kids and they're going to be they're going to be crazy teenagers they're going to do things at times stuff's going to happen and to try to hold them to higher standard i think is is horrible because that's the pressure you put on ministers but at the same time as a as a man not as a pastor but and and i I teach this a lot to the guys at our church that we are pastors we're providers we're priests of our home Right. and so let's let's raise up our family and do the best that we can to be that example because um, you can say whatever you want but it's what you show your kids right. is what they're going to catch
0: totally I love the fact that you pray for your kids we do the same thing yeah. we actually have um, started a thing in our church um, we did it one time just off of a it was an idea just to see because it fit a message mm-hmm. and then it was so impacting that It's now a part of what we do. When we do, uh, when we partake of the Lord's Supper or Communion, um, we do it in what we call family style. And so what we do is the kids, they come out of the kids' ministry or whatever, the family is together, and then we have again there's no right or wrong way to do by the way communion this right. this it's all symbolic anyway yeah um and we'll have stations all around the auditorium with huge chunks of loaves and, and whatever and they go as a family they and they do communion but then what we do is we're teaching the parents to get their kids together put your hands on your kids absolutely and speak into who you want mm-hmm. them to be who god is creating them to be and it's it's been really interesting as we've talked with kids or whatever how many kids they don't hear the blessing yeah. from the parents. All they hear are the things that they do wrong. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I agree. I agree.
0: So speaking to something like that, you know, as far as when we're dealing with legacy, how important is the words? Do we need to take into account the words that we
1: speak over our kids? Oh my gosh. The, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Mm-hmm. And, and that was not preached when I was a kid. Uh, that was kind <laughs> of a, um, uh, uh, it was a charismatic thing. And if you know what charismatic is, it's okay. Um, but that was like kind of almost like a taboo thing uh, in, in the Pentecostal circle that I grew up in. But now I, I see so much power in what I say to my children and how I say it to them. It speaks volumes. It speaks volumes because everything follows a sound. And we know that, that, that when you speak, it, it, it's, it's the power of life and death. It's an affirmation. And we all crave affirmation. I'm 42 years old and I crave affirmation i i love when my wife says hey you knocked that sermon out of the park and i'm yeah. like yeah i did um <laughs> or when i say hey baby how was the sermon she was like you know you that yeah. that was pretty good and i'm like you <laughs> you need to be honest because this is hurting me right now yeah. um yeah. no no but but so how much more as, as as a child who is developing the words that we speak over them and I'm not talking about um, everybody gets uh, everybody gets a trophy. I don't believe in that. Yeah, I think you you work and you earn for what you get. Um, and we need to teach our generation that that you know what you work hard and play hard and enjoy life. But at the same time, I remember my dad. Such a great analogy. It got me good. I was struggling early in the ministry because I'm still working out my flesh. I got my position. I know I'm right. in Christ, but I got my condition, and it's a crazy flesh. I'm a single guy. And I'm like, I, I can't do this ministry thing. I just can't do it. I can't, and so I went to my dad, and I said, dad, I I, I gotta step down, I can't do this ministry, I can't be preaching, I'm struggling with my flesh, I'm, I'm asking God to give me strength, I'm trying to walk it out, but I keep failing. And I get up, and I fall down, and I get up, and I fall down, and I said, I just can't do this. And dad said this to me, he said, son, if you drink a beer, are you an alcoholic? <laughs> And I was like, this is a trick question because we don't drink beer at my house. My dad's, (laughs) he's trying to catch me in something. I was like, no, (laughs) no, dad, if you drink a beer, you're not an alcoholic. He said, so if you sin, are you a sinner? Right. And I was like, oh. Right. No. He said, son, he said, a sinner is somebody that sets their heart and says, I don't care what God has to say. I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. And I was like, okay. He said, but you, what you're doing, he said, you're not failing. You're falling down. Quit getting those confused. Right. And when he spoke that over me, he, he he says, "You're not a failure. You're just falling down. Get up. Learn from it. It's an experience." And by speaking those things to me, and it it, it lit a fire in me that I can do this. Yes. I can preach the gospel. You know what? I'm going to deal with my condition. But I know who I'm in Christ. I'm not a failure. I'm not a sinner. I'm not some castaway. God has a plan in a future for me. Just by Him saying those few things. <clears throat> excuse me totally changed me totally changed my outlook and so now when my kids come to me i'm very cautious and careful to speak that life into them right to say hey wait did you look at it this way and i'm one of my boys elijah he is just whoo he's a handful he is he is energy from nine to five he's yeah. just go 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 and he's very smart very intellectual and he's always asking questions and he gets frustrated when he can't understand something. He gets very, and so his frustration level gets really high and he's like, dad, I just don't understand that. And I have to go back and I have to be very cautious to begin to speak. okay, Elijah, do you remember that this and this and this happened? Do you remember, do you see how this happened? And then it's like, oh, okay, and I'm like, listen, I'm not upset at you that you lost your temper, but here's the deal. God gave us self-control. We got to step into that self-control brother. Right. Okay. Dad. And we pray and we move on. But for me, I have to be very intentional. If I'm going to, if I'm going to leave a legacy, leaving a a great legacy does not happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally
0: agree. Yeah. Um, if you're listening today, uh, Dan said something that I want to, I want us to clue in on just for a second where he used an old Pentecostal uh, <laughs> idea that um, depending on your background, maybe you've had had it used against you. This idea that death and life is in the power of the tongue because um, that is a biblical statement. Yes. It's a scripture. I want to spin it just for a minute. I want you guys to think about it this way. When you accept Christ, that which fills you is the spirit of life. So if you're filled with the spirit of life then whatever you say you're giving life to that's right so the death side from a christian standpoint is silence but if christ is in you when you speak negatively you're giving life to a negative element in your life you're allowing it to exist and so we've got to really grab a hold of that if you're not happy with the atmosphere in your home change what you're saying
1: that's right
0: change what you're saying it's that everything flows from what you speak mm-hmm. i mean everything we believe exists is existing today because the father spoke it
1: well i've been married 15 years my marriage got good when i asked god to quit trying to fix my wife uh-huh and fix me yes and i've been going to say great things to her all the time even when we were fighting i would look at her and say man i love it when you get mad because i cannot wait to kiss your face <laughs> and she just rolls her eyes and yeah. walks up everything though it is it's the power of life and death is in the tongue it's what i it's what i give life to or it's what i can speak death over sure we carry it brother we do so watch the words absolutely
0: watch the words that are coming out because you are you're creating the environment think about the fact in the creation story Mm -hmm. the first thing that god created was the environment he prepared the place for the life that he was going to Mm -hmm. create and he prepared the place by his words
1: and what did god say when he got done it is good. It's good. He spoke life over it. He, he did. That's right. And
0: that's my point. <laughs> yeah. is we've got to gotta be careful what we
1: speak. Absolutely. Well, hey,
0: let's jump into your story from another vantage point. I have no idea if this is even a part of your story. I just assume it might be since it's part of mine. Hadn't been all roses for you in ministry, there have been some church hurt?
1: Absolutely. Talk about that for a
0: little bit if you if you're comfortable sharing that side of your story
1: sure um let's just say this in all of the and all of the love that i have for god's people because as a pastor it is there's there's a passion in me for god's people but church can suck come on <laughs> can i say that dude yeah and 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 it's not because of god it's not god (laughs) it's not jesus jesus has never done me wrong okay you have to know that jesus in my 24 years of ministry and being saved has never one time done me wrong but i've watched church leaders cause more church hurt because they just didn't stop and listen to jesus yes if we if if I don't know why and you can you can probably amen me on this but i i don't know why i don't struggle with it like i used to but in the early days i did but ministers and pastors are the most insecure people i've ever met in my life i think they are totally there's a lot of insecurity and i think it's because you're under so much scrutiny all the time all eyes are on you the glass house the whole nine yards sure well i mean think about what you just said how many times and i've done it as well
0: i don't do it as much anymore because I have a wife that got in my face and said, "Why don't you just stop that?" Yeah. But how many ministers do look for immediate affirmation? You know, after they're done.
1: Absolutely. Because you know,
0: they're insecure.
1: Absolutely. Because you you you've just poured out thirty to forty minutes of your life, and you're like, "Did it even? Did it know, even matter?" Yeah. you look over like, "Is that person like looking at their scripture? or are They scrolling Facebook? What sure. are they doing right now?"
0: Probably both. Probably both. <laughs> no
1: kidding. If truth be truth be known, um, but. I was, I worked, I gave all of, I felt like I gave all my heart to a church once and I, I was a youth pastor and, and I just, Oh, I loved, I loved the youth ministry. I loved pastoring those kids. I loved that I was raising up a young college age group team that was under me. And actually one of the, one of the girls that was, uh, she was in college time and she was very, um, very, very, instrumental in the growth of our youth ministry is now the associate pastor of the church where where she started at as as a as a youth worker which is awesome but when i'm there and i'm giving everything i have and all of a sudden i realize that the vision of the pastor is shifting to where it's and, and i understand that that in church things grow and that that there are shifts being made but when the overall shift is being made and it's not being communicated. And, and you're like, where, where am I at? Where am I, how am I fitting in all this? Am I doing a, am I doing the right jobs? Am I still doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And then out of nowhere, they walk in. They're like, hey, listen, we're moving you out. We're going to go in a totally different direction. Whoa. And I'm like, I've just given years. Yeah. We took this youth group, and there was one kid in the church. And it was funny because when they brought me in, they asked me and said, why do you think we only have one kid in the church? And I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, right across the street is the largest middle school in town. Mm -hmm. directly across the street and they're not going to walk across the street to come to your church i said because your church sucks Uh and one of the one of the board members like you know he's right (laughs) and i'm like i got nothing to lose here they're asking me these questions so i'm going to be honest and they brought me in as a youth pastor and we watched that youth group grow from one and then we went to two and then we went to about ten and then within, I'd say probably a year and a half, we're running a solid 60 to 65 kids, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Sure. Um, we started a ministry that was doing an outreach to feed kids, which was awesome. And, but now they're wanting to shift and I'd given years to this to, to grow and to nurture and, and to see what God was was doing. on I, I didn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. I had no plans of ever leaving. Cause I'm pretty, I'm a pretty loyal guy. Once you're my friend, you're my friend. And once right. I'm in, I'm in, that's just who I am. And uh, the shifts happened and they moved me from the youth group to the sound booth. They wanted me to be over the sound and the technicians. And I'm like, okay, I'll do, I, I'm, I was raised by my dad to be a soldier and to be faithful. You be loyal. You do what, whatever the pastor needs from you, you do it. And it wasn't about a paycheck because I think they weren't paying me a whole lot anyway. <laughs> but it was about that I was, I was in my heart. I'm just loyal. And I watched them and then they moved me to another position. And it was almost just like they couldn't find a place for me. And I felt the frustration building, and nobody would have conversations. I'd say, hey, what's going on? And it's like, ah, we're just working some things out. And eventually got brought in and was like, listen, we just don't know what we're going to do right now. And I'm thinking, I've given you guys years, and this is where we're at like i was here when there was nobody in this church when there was one teenager coming here when there was nothing happening i i built their band i went out to the college and i recruited guys and i knew guys and i brought them in i'm like hey we need a worship team there wasn't a worship team there was a piano player and i was playing drums and i didn't want to be playing drums and literally they we we built the worship team and my heart was for the church it wasn't just for my department i think that's what was so hard and um had to step away from all that and i was angry at the board i was angry at the pastor i was angry i was just angry and i remember leaving and i got in my truck that day and i was like you know what god me and you are done Hmm. i'm done with this it hurt it it i'd never felt that kind of hurt and i went and got a job at coca-cola here in oklahoma city and i was like you know what i'm just gonna work and keep my head down and um just me and my wife we're just gonna do life yeah. So I didn't go to church. Um, I was hurt. I walked away from that. I took a job at Coca-Cola. Then I thought, you know, some doors are opening in Coca-Cola. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll climb the corporate ladder and uh, start making some money. And I did. I started making a lot of money, more money than I ever made in my life. And things were happening. And I remember I was outside of Clinton, Oklahoma. And I was meeting some merchandisers out there or something. I don't remember what it was, but I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm not done with you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the first time I've heard from him since I left that church. And it's been about a year. Yeah. He, it's been just total silence in my life. And I hadn't been to church. I hadn't been plugged in. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't study for sermons. I didn't do anything for a year. And when he said that, I pulled the car over the truck over, got out and yelled at the sky, but I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. Just reminding God we're done. And it was a lot of pain. It was a lot of hurt. And, um one night one of my bosses or one day one of my bosses said, "Hey man, um do you uh do you want to go to church Sunday night? I play bass guitar at this church." And I'm like, "I don't want to go to church, but what better way to suck up to the boss than to go and, sure. you know, watch him play bass, whatever." Um I said, "Yeah, man, I'll go." And so we went to this ch- this church Sunday night and I'm sitting in the back. And they've got black ceilings. They got some really great lighting, got a great worship team, but the spirit of the Lord is just moving in that place. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I'm feeling that old feeling that can come over me and I'm, I'm a little bit angry, but I'm a little bit anxious. Like I, I miss this, um, I miss the feeling of God. And I begin to weep and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, take everything you see here and go to Marlow, which is my original hometown that I've been gone for a while and i started weeping i said god i can't i can't get it back in this i can't do this and um long story short my wife got pregnant with triplets and we didn't want to raise our kids in oklahoma city We'd, we kind of want to get back home closer to mom and dad or we had some family support because we knew this was going to be a huge transition
0: well, yeah you go from two to five in one fell swoop
1: <laughs> man alive and so we're we moved uh, back to marlow area and um i started working in a, in a local church and i wasn't even on staff i was helping with the junior high youth department just because they needed some help and i thought honestly because it was a larger church that i could hide out and they ran about a thousand and the pastor was gracious to me and i thought if i just help serve with this junior high group then god will just leave me alone with the whole marlo thing because i'm not gonna yeah. launch church i'm not gonna pastor church i'm not but Um, two years into the thing, God just kept hitting me up and hitting me and just and then God opened up some doors and um yeah, we got back into it. You got back into it. Yeah.
0: Um I think if if I can guess, when you talk about what hurt you in that church experience, um, you kept using the word loyalty. Yeah. Which must is very, very special and real to you. Um, so when loyalty is broken, trust is broken, that opens the door for pain
1: it does and that's what i tell my team this i have a great group of pastors around me and i say guys i can handle anything if you just say i'm sorry right that's all we got to do yeah and i said i promise if i let you down the first words out of my mouth are gonna be this i'm sorry and i want to mean it yeah not just because i need a job or a paycheck or i'm a part of a church but it's because i i truly don't want to see you hurt in any way and if you have hurt anybody in any way, just say, I'm sorry. Don't lose that loyalty because of maybe it's pride, maybe it's arrogance, maybe it's like I, I'm, I'm embarrassed and I don't know what to say. Go to that person and just say, hey, listen, we screwed this thing up. Can we fix it? I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I've, been, we, yeah. I've been exploring in my, my mind the concept of forgiveness. I had a conversation recently with, an, with a with uh, another uh, minister, Christ follower, whatever. Um, and they were... They were talking about forgiveness from one vantage point and I was listening to them and I was like, you know, I probably haven't thought enough about forgiveness, but I don't think that's really what, what the heart of it is. And so what I've settled on, at least right now, and it ties into what you're saying is I begin to ask myself, God, what is the purpose of forgiveness? Is it just to get through an issue? And what I'm feeling in my heart is that, no, the ultimate purpose of forgiveness is the restoration of relationship. Absolutely. And what we've done is we've sold ourselves short. We come, we say, I'm sorry. And we say, yeah, no, no worries. We forgive you. And then so many times that actually is the breaking of the relationship. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like we want to make a clean break. So we're going to apologize. It's not really about, Hey, let's work through both sides of this pain Mm -hmm. for the sake of the relationship so it can continue. Absolutely. I mean, i mean you've been married how long how many years 15 years okay 15 years i'm celebrating 27 at the end of this year i promise you you don't make it 20 (laughs) without true forgiveness for the restoration of the relationship absolutely yeah why do you think we don't see that so much within the church world i mean somebody gets mad at the preacher well we're leaving church we're splitting
1: we're going somewhere else
0: absolutely you know because um, the pastor's always the last to know, by the way, for those of you that are listening.
1: <laughs> I will amen that 100%. 100%. And even the last to know the real reason why they're left. Oh, yeah. Like, they're never going to tell us the truth. No, 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 no. Um, I think that it's, it, it. I think there's a model in society. And we forget that we're not supposed to be like this world. Right. Totally. This world is fake, man. Yeah. I told, I told I told the church this yesterday. I said, listen, I'm not impressed with your Facebook fakeness. <laughs> okay, let's be real about who we yeah. are in life. And so I think that there's so much that, that we can't have an honest conversation. And, and we don't preach it where, hey, you know what? The Bible says to restore one another with a spirit of meekness. Restore one another, not restore me. I got to restore right. you. right? And through that, there's going to be some restoration in the relationship. But I do believe that we live in a society that's so fake that everything is so surfacey, we don't we don't really do life with anybody, and, right. and the Bible talks about that. We we should do life together. We're totally. in this thing, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're on a journey here that that's going to last through eternity. Let's work it out now.
0: Totally, I mean, yeah. I don't think you can have real legacy, whether it is physical through your family, um, whether you're passing down values through your family, mm-hmm. or um, even whether you're talking about um a spiritual legacy in other words what you're going to leave behind um i don't think you have any of that without being loyal to people and being trustworthy and learning how to work through mistakes shortcomings or what have you
1: well you know the and and the pastor that i had the problem with before i ever went and did what i did Marlowe, i went Uh to him and i said we need to talk yeah and there was forgiveness on both sides.
0: See, I don't think people really understand how you leave one situation yes. is how you enter the next situation. Right. So when you leave with unresolved issues, yep. you're bringing those unresolved issues into a new, whether it's a relationship or a job, yes, or ministry.
1: I agree. 100%. Those things follow you. And and to to make sure that for me, I was like, if I'm going to step into this ministry, if I'm going to step into this new new phase of my life, I got to make sure that whatever was behind me, I've done my best, you know, wh- whether they receive it or not, I've done my part to say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm walking in with a clear conscience. There's no anger. There's no bitterness. There's no resentment. I'm not doing this because I'm mad at this preacher down the street or right. I can't stand this guy over here or whatever the case is, um, that, that it has to come in with a clear heart and a clear conscience.
0: Totally. Well, man, I think uh, I want to encourage all of you that are listening today to realize that you are leaving a legacy, whether whether you realize it or not. Yes. Every decision you make, you're leaving a legacy, and we need to be people, especially those of us that are listening today, that are, are Christ followers. And we got to learn to stay loyal to the Father and loyal to the family, um, and work out our issues. We that doesn't mean that every single time you're going to have a complete restoration uh, of the relationship. I think there's a difference in restoring a relationship and restoring of positions. Um, I think way too often we're way more concerned about keeping our position Mm -hmm. versus the relationships that we have with people
1: absolutely and and just because uh, i think a lot of times the reason why people don't want to forgive it's like if i forgive this person now i gotta have them back in my life no you don't no, you don't. <laughs> I, I tell people like, listen, I can love you from afar. Exactly. I I don't have to do life with this if, if there's been pain and hurt and, and things that have happened that are just that are just really, really hard to deal with. I believe that God has a plan for all of us and that God can work things out. Um but y- there are people that I used to hang out with that I, I just don't hang out with no. anymore. It's not that I don't love them any less, but it's where I'm at in life, where God has taken me. God has opened up new relationships. The relationship you and I have, it's a new relationship, mm-hmm. and I'm anxious to see where God's going to take that. Me too. Um, and so I, I look forward to things like that, but there are some things in my past. I'm like, you know what? I I just can't. I, I'll, I'll be transparent here. Before I started pastoring, um, I messed up big time, me and my wife we got in a place where and and it's it's so amazing and i'll share this quickly and move on but i messed up with my wife and i had an affair
0: wow okay
1: and i didn't talk about that for years i kept my mouth shut because Mm. jessica and i we got through it we went to counseling and it's, it's it's in that period where i wasn't going to church i was doing my own thing i was in the club i was being stupid she forgave me but we had to walk this out and i I, I tucked it away Because honestly I didn't want that to be part of my legacy hmm. I don't want that to be part of my story I don't want people like Oh yeah that's Dan Yeah he cheated one time with his wife I want them to say Man Dan built a church Dan built people Dan ministered all over Every every time Dan got around somebody He just loved and forgave And built up And he he just Oh he spoke life That's what I want But Shoot. there's this little bit of reality That we hang on to That like I don't want anybody to know about this About my legacy So fast forward to last month or i'm sorry a few months ago was february i've got this couple coming to my church and they're gay uh-huh and not my job to tell you right where you're going to end up at right but it is my job to preach truth right and truth and love and I was like, God, I don't want these people to leave the church. I don't want them to feel like that we hate them because if that's the problem with the church.
0: I totally agree.
1: We 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 pick and choose which sin we hate and don't hate. Right. Okay, so I'm not gonna harp on that. But this the these two young ladies are coming to our church and I know, I know their lifestyle. I know. And when they first came, they only came because somebody invited them and they were very hesitant. They were very you could tell they were nervous. And I walked up and I hugged them and I said, Hey, welcome to church. Yeah. And they've been coming for several months now. And I told God, I said, God, I want to be able to preach and show them how much you love them and how much destiny they have. But I also want to show them what the word of God says for their future. Mm-hmm. And God spoke to me and said, share your story. Okay. I said, nope. Yeah. Because that's a part of my legacy I don't want anybody to know about. I've been pastoring. I'm successful in my area. I've done well. God has blessed me. I don't want that to come out. And the Holy Spirit, once again, said, tell your story. So I said, that with Jessica. And I said, hey, listen, we've never talked about this. I said, but the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to share this story. And this is why. And I laid it all out. And she said, I agree 100%. You should do it. I said, okay, if you're okay with it, I'll do it. So that Sunday morning, we're, we're in the love series. Yeah. And I talked about how the enemy has such an amazing way of coming in. And he will lie to your emotions. He will lie to your feelings, yeah. and he'll tell you things. And I said, you know what? I said, Jessica and I went through a period where I really thought she didn't love me anymore. She loved the, she loved everything else, but she didn't love me. She didn't care about me. She didn't want me. Yeah. And I said, the enemy's feeding everything. And I said, and here's the problems I'm buying into. It. And I said, and guess what? I found myself in a place where I committed adultery and I cheated on my wife. And the church is silent. It's like, <sighs> mm-hmm. and I picked up my Bible and I said, I had to understand. That no matter what I felt, if it didn't line up with a word, I'm buying into a lie. Right. And I went down a list of adultery and fornication, homosexuality. And I mean, that's right. da 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 And I said, and, and the Bible, and, and I said, and Paul says, as such were some of you. Right. And I said, as such were some of I, I was, I, that's me. I screwed it up. And I got tears in my eyes, and I, right now I'm feeling it. But I said, I was that guy. That bought into a lie who said, because I feel a certain way, I must be that person. Yeah. And I said, that's not who you are. And I looked over, and both those girls' tears were on their face. Yeah. And I was like, God, you're doing the work. Right. Whatever God has for their future, he's working on them. But I think that if we're not careful, we'll hide parts of us that God's saying, that's the part I really want to use to build your legacy. Don't be afraid to show your scars. Yeah because to me scars are not proof
0: scars are not signs of failure no they're signs of overcoming
1: no in the okay. moment they feel like failure oh sure
0: <laughs> because if you have scars all of us have scars yes um but the fact that scars heal yes and yes we're left with a mark of of pain and trauma yep but we overcame the pain and the trauma and Again, I think sometimes we make a mistake in the ministry of thinking we got to show the perfect side of everything. Oh, absolutely. When really the power is not in the perfect. Uh-uh. The power is in the pain that we go through and that we walk through and that we, we don't let overcome us and drown us.
1: When that, when that, and that, I didn't talk about it for a long time because I don't want to bring up pain. It still hurts me. I'm, I'm, it hurts right now to talk about it. But the reason that I I didn't it's it's because I don't want to. You ever been around somebody like Hey man, let me show you my scar and you're like Well that's just weird. I don't want to yeah. see your weird scar. Sure. <laughs> um, but Jesus showed his scars, and in the moment I'm like I don't want to talk about it. I'm still hurting. I'm still in pain. I don't want I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to even think like that because that's not who I am. It's what I did, but it's not who I am. And that's a hard thing. That's a whole other sermon in itself that you were, you are not your failure. You made the mistake, but it's not your identity. And so coming out of that and then God saying, Hey, by the way, I want you to use your scar. It's like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Right. That's going to hurt. That's not going to feel good. But to realize that your scar is actually going to liberate somebody else. It's going to inspire somebody else. It's going to set somebody else free that's what's amazing that's how big god is when, totally. when so that's i learned that scripture when he says i take all things and make it to the good mm-hmm. for those that love the lord he turns right. it to the good that scar is going to be used for good in your life
0: well listen those of you that are listening today all of us have scars all of us have mistakes all of us have issues but what you've done doesn't define who you are that's right. You're defined by your relationship. And the best, the first and premier relationship is to get in relationship with the father. Yes. And, um, that relationship changes everything for you. Um, and I want to encourage you to get connected with Dan. If you want to hear more of Dan's story, tell you what, I'll tell you what you can go to the streamgrace.com site and look at the redux church podcast. He's actually the second podcast the second episode on that podcast yeah and uh would love to have you listen to more of his story over there and this won't be the last time i have dan on i can promise you dan i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story today man. thank you
1: so much for allowing me to be here it's such a privilege I, i love what you're doing and i appreciate it so much
0: well thank you man we i appreciate what you're doing because We're brothers in the trenches, man. Amen. And uh, we got to walk through this together. And guess what? If you're listening today, God's got a plan for your life. And that begins by renewing your hope, your love, and your joy. And he wants to do that in you. Open your heart to him. Let him impact your life because the world deserves a renewed you. Until next time, we'll see you around. I'm John Ewell. God bless.